You are welcome to Face to Face Broadcast. This message will take you from where you are to where you ought to be. In the name of Jesus, Father, we thank you for this opportunity. We thank you for teaching Thursday. We ask that let everyone be taught by the Spirit. Let everyone have value. Grant us understanding in the name of Jesus. And let me say loud, Amen. Amen. Please be seated. The aim of having Teaching Thursday is to have enough time to concentrate on a particular subject that is of interest to the Spirit of God for the hour concerning us. And then to be able to bring people to a place of understanding. It's not everything that you have heard that you understand. If you have read the book of Luke, the 24th chapter, Jesus met his disciples. And then one of the verses says that he opened their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. Hallelujah. He opened their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. It means that it is possible to hear the scriptures and not understand it. So why did he have to intervene? Permit me to read verse 44 and 45 of Luke 24. Amen. Luke chapter 24, verse 44 and 45. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spoke, spake unto you while I was yet with you. That means he had told them all these things before. That all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me, verse 45, then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. If you read this same experience in John, the Bible says he breathed on them to receive the Holy Spirit. So it was an impartation he gave to them to understand the scriptures. That means that these guys... Whoever he was talking to have been hearing scriptures, but they did not understand it. Hallelujah. So he had to open their understanding. My prayer is that this evening, that Jesus, by his spirit, will open your understanding. That you might understand the scriptures. The story of Philip when he met the man, the Ethiopian eunuch, you know the story, 
in Acts the 8th chapter. The Bible says that when he met him, the man was reading the scripture. And he asked him, understandest what thou readest? The man said, how can I understand? Amen. Except someone will guide me. Then the Bible says, Philip preached Christ to him from that scripture. And then told us the scripture he was reading was Isaiah 53. Alright? They didn't mention Isaiah 53, but the portion that was read out was Isaiah 53. Because he was confused. He was reading it, but he was not understanding it. It means that understanding scriptures have a place in the outcome of our Christian experience. Hallelujah. That the outcome of our Christian experience is a product of what we understand. If understanding was not important, Jesus would not make any effort to open their understanding as Luke chapter 24 verse 45 had said. But he opened their understanding that they may understand the scriptures. Of course, this is not just talking about your mental understanding with which you carry out your academic um, um, responsibilities. It's talking about what the Bible refers to as spiritual understanding. Colossians talked about it. That you might be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Amen. Okay? So, it's talking about understanding on another level. Glory to God. Not just that you can mentally relate with what is being said, but that your spirit also can lay hold on what was said hallelujah can relate with what was said now for every teaching every doctrine you've ever heard how you know that you have understood it is the expression it is giving in your life praise god is the expression it is giving in your life it cannot give expression beyond how you understand it and the way spiritual truths are Spiritual truths are in such a way that um, you can understand something deeper than you understood it before. You can understand something better than you understood it before. Maybe they taught you about prayer or they taught you about tongues. If you keep praying in tongues and allow the Holy Spirit, He will bring you to a deeper understanding about tongues. You cannot, just at the stroke of the finger, understand everything about God's word at once. No. Understanding is progressive. Hallelujah. It's progressive. That means there are some things you didn't understand yesterday that you, don't, you understand today. And there are some things you don't understand now that you will understand tomorrow. But the... Attitude that is expected of us as believers is to be open to learning, to revelation, hallelujah, to the knowledge of God's word. If you're open to the knowledge of God's word, your understanding will improve, it will deepen. Glory to God. And it's important, and that's why we have this extended time, to give everyone that opportunity. 
Listen, you cannot understand scriptures if you don't give time and attention to scriptures. Praise God. You can't understand scriptures if you don't give attention and time to the scriptures. You won't understand the scriptures. Understanding of scriptures doesn't come by how long you've been born again. It comes by reason of use. Use. That means as you're making contact with the scriptures, you understand it better. There might have been times in my life where I thought, wow, I'm amazed at what I've come to understand. Then, later I'm amazed at what I didn't understand. <laughs> Amen. Are we together? I'm amazed at what I didn't understand. And how, how were we functioning without that understanding? Praise God. Some of us, when we were born again, or when we started going to church as young people, we were taught to love God. We were taught to read our Bibles. We were taught that God is real. The Spirit of God is, is here with us. Uh, there are angels and made to understand spiritual things are real fine but there's some things we didn't understand let me give an example i didn't understand that all of the bible is saying one thing glory to god <laughs> amen amen i didn't understand the connectivity between scriptures are you understanding me that took a while for me to understand. It changed everything. When I saw that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Hallelujah. It changed everything. There are some people that still don't understand that there is a difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. They still don't understand that. Some people don't understand that the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus changed something. So we still some have some people in church practicing Judaism. The only thing is that you know they 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 are not calling themselves Jews, but they, what they are doing is just practicing the Jewish religion. We are not called into a Jewish religion. Amen. We are called into Christ. Did you get that? Okay. Now, but it pleased God that it will be through the Jewish race that he will bring humanity into the revelation of himself. That doesn't mean he's calling all of us to practice the Jewish religion. Amen. Okay. So, um, I'm trying to get into the topic I have for today, but I'm just laying the foundation. That all of the scriptures, Genesis down to Revelations, that they are all connected. It's the greatest, greatest thing to understand. Now, in the scriptures I read, let's go back to verse 44. You know, when I started seeing these scriptures, it did something to me. Go back to verse 44. There, there are two scriptures I'll show to you, right? In Luke 24. All these are the preamble to where I'm going to, okay? And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written, one, in the laws of Moses, number one. Number two, in the prophets. And number three, in the Psalms concerning me. In essence, Jesus was saying that the laws of Moses, 
the prophets and the Psalms were all about him. Amen. That's the Old Testament. Glory to God. That's the entire Old Testament. That's practically the Old Testament. Now, but before now, you were reading the laws of Moses, you were reading the prophets, you didn't think of Jesus. You just saw a book that was talking about Ezekiel, that was talking about Daniel, that was talking about Jeremiah. But now Jesus said, no, 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 no. There are things that were said concerning me. Amen. Go back to verse 27, Luke 24, verse 27. Thank you. This was when Jesus first met the two guys on the way. Before he went and met the rest of the disciples. After his resurrection. Look at what he said. Okay, maybe we should read the story so that you, you appreciate verse 27. Go back maybe three verses um, or so. I don't know if that will be enough. 24, similar. Um, this way they were still telling him the story. Go up again, go up again, go up again. When he met them, um, 20. I don't want a long read, but let me just pick verses from my Bible, alright? So that we'll just skip reading the whole story. In Luke 24, my focus is 27, but let me just show you something. Verse 13 and 14. And behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about three score furlongs. That's sixty furlongs. That's the unit of measure they use. And they talked together of all these things which, have ha- which had happened. Verse 15. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, what happened? Jesus himself drew near and went with them. Can I say something to you? He still does that today. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Sometimes you are going home from service and discussing what happened. He will join you. Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. He still does it today. <laughs> you know why? He's the same yesterday, today, forever. Hallelujah. Any traits Jesus manifested, He still manifested today. Amen. He still does it today. Now, prove to you something. It might have happened to you. Maybe I even telling him about that pastor TB. I don't know that man. You know, that, you know that I didn't know that Jesus is the one you are telling. <laughs> Amen. Jesus is not drew near and went with them. Look at what happened in verse sixteen. But their eyes were holding that they should not know him. That means that it looked like they were talking to another person, but it was Jesus. That means he has the capacity to do that. Let me explain. Their eyes were holding that they didn't put it in. Um, um, amplified, verse 16 amplified So you understand it Amplified But their eyes were held so that they did not Recognize him Hello Put it in a message But they were not able to recognize who he was He joined them They didn't know it was Jesus Praise the Lord. Look at verse 17. Okay, now I, I'm going to skip, okay? Uh, and he said unto them, What was the gist? 
Amen. That's somebody was saying. What manner of communications are these that ye have one to another as you walk and are sad? Now, he resurrected. He expects them to be happy, but they are sad. And today also we have believers that Jesus is alive. They are living like he is dead. Amen. What, what, what are you communicating that you are walking and you are sad? Then they started telling him. See the way they were telling the story. Hey. That's why sometimes a pastor has to console myself. Something as powerful as resurrection. Look at how they were telling the story. Look at verse 18. I hope those on the free conference call can hear me. And they are participating in the following. Okay. He says, And one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answering said unto him, Are you only a stranger in Jerusalem? Has thou not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? Jesus was talking like he didn't know what they were talking about. And he said unto them, What things? It's Jesus that was asking them. What things? And they said unto him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth. You know what they called Jesus? Which was a prophet. Mighty indeed and word before God and all the people. Verse 20. And how the chief priests and all our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. But we have trusted that it, it had been He which should have redeemed Israel That we thought he was the one that was going to redeem Israel And beside all this Today is the third day since these things were done That means they had doubts Verse 22 My focus is 27 But let's keep going Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished Which were early at the sepulchre And when they found not his body They came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels which said that he was alive that they are not saying it convincingly they are just giving gist of what has been happening in town it's how somebody will come out from a program and say you know uh, man, pastor says something about increase they say, what was the message today they say, oh, just say something about increase how this year to be increased or increased well you know something like that <laughs> different person say ah we have entered are you understanding me different this is how they were gisting now, did Jesus approve of this kind of communication? Let's read further, 24. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulchre and found it even so as the woman, woman had said, but they saw, but him they saw not. Jesus could not contain the talk again. He had to interrupt. Then he said unto them, O fools, that's to prove that he wasn't pleased. Amen. He wasn't pleased with how they were communicating about... Because these are people that were in the meetings. They've done membership school. Are you understanding me? They've been in ministry service. They've been in three days of relational manifestation. And they are talking like this. Don't be angry if, someone call, if you, they say you are a fool. Jesus called some people fools. Paul calls some people fools. Why wouldn't I call some people fools? Amen. Paul called them, oh foolish Galatians. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> they, still, they still printed the, the what he said. They didn't edit it out. Amen. He said, oh fools, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophet has spoken. Let us pray this evening that we will not be slow of heart to believe. Amen.
Just open your mouth and pray that prayer for yourself and say, Lord, this year, let me not be of slow of let me not be slow of heart to believe. Let me not be slow of heart to believe. In all your words to me, in all that you have spoke, you have spoken and will yet speak. Let not one of us be slow of heart to believe. Marakati lebredes deketoso rebetis kapratos lebeteketia ratanda kayakatoso bregedekese lemanda kayakato brados kapratoso lemende kresiketesa lida handa gladesketea lemende brados kapretia in the name of Jesus. That means that by their talk, they were not quick to believe it. Amen. It means resurrection. Anytime the message of resurrection comes, you should be quick to believe. Amen. You should be quick to believe. Anytime the word of God comes, the gospel comes to you, be quick to believe. He says, slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Then he began to talk to them. 26. Ought not Christ <laughs> to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? That means, you were already told that these things will happen. Why are you not talking as if you don't believe? See the way you are telling the story. It's just like the way a Christian is telling a story. So I say, oh, so um, were you in the program? I say, yeah, 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 yeah. There's a different way to tell this. Someone say, well, well, well. And one guy came out and said that he was healed. Though. It's different from saying, oh, three people got healed. One person got healed. You are saying it differently than saying, eh, then someone say he was healed. Then someone else say he was blessed. Are you, are you getting the way he's saying? He's saying, he said, ought not Christ... To have suffered. Is this not what Christ was supposed to have done? The Christ that you have been hearing about. That the prophet spoke about. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things. And to enter into his glory. So verse 27. The big one we are talking about. Let's read together. I want to go. And beginning at Moses. And all the prophets. Not some of the prophets. All the prophets. He expounded unto them in all the scriptures. The things concerning himself. Amen. I have a teaching, it's an old one, not so old, it's not, mother, it's not 10 years, but it's titled, The Days of Grace. And from this scripture, I taught on Jesus in Genesis, Jesus in Exodus, Jesus in Leviticus, Jesus in Numbers, Jesus in Deuteronomy. Amen. Okay? And I was explaining then that he say and begin, when he say at Moses, beginning at Moses, he's talking about the books of Moses, five books of Moses. Amen. That that means that Jesus had to have days of revelation and manifestation with them, compressed, because he started by showing them in all the books of Moses about himself. This thing, see this one now that says that the seed of the woman shall bruise the head of son. It was me. Amen. Are we together? It was me. He say. Hey. We didn't know, but we know that scripture. He goes to Exodus. You see, you see that Passover lamb that they put left, they put right, they put up, and it dripped down. That's the sign of the cross. It was me. Amen. Oh, I didn't know that. I don't know that. He goes to Leviticus. You see that high priest? It was me. Amen. I wish together. He goes one after the other. Every book of Moses. All the books of Moses. Then he enters the prophets. 
That's one of the statements the prophets made. This statement was because he said, I'm beginning at Moses and all the prophets. He expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Why did we come here? I read to you Luke 24:45. He opened their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. Alright? Jesus opened their understanding. Now this is another group. He opened their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. That means the key thing. Jesus is interested in making you understand the scriptures. So today, I will attempt to bring us into an understanding on the subject of New Testament consecration. Amen. Everybody say New Testament consecration. Say again, New Testament consecration. Alright? So, I will attempt... So, the subject is very broad. And um, I was just thinking about the, the easiest way to communicate it. I, recently, I, was, I saw someone post something on social media. And he was trying to explain a concept. He was trying to explain uh, something, a subject in the Bible. Like an argument, just like saying that, um, let's suppose that he wants to say that uh, 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 praying in the name of Jesus, we're supposed to pray in the name of Jesus, let's assume, that's what he wants to talk about. And he gave so many scriptures about it. I am a Bible scholar too. So, when I saw all the scriptures he had to give to explain one thing, I was not happy. It was confusing. So at the end of the day, I didn't understand what the motive was. Is it to teach somebody or to prove a point? Are you understanding me? Now, it's just like now a child comes to you and wants to learn spelling. You start telling him about the history of spelling. Are you understanding me? He doesn't need the history of spelling. He has to be able to spell first. Before he can read what he's spelling. Are you understanding me? To not read the history of spelling. So, in my teaching ministry, when I study a subject for personal consumption, I studied the entire subject based on the materials that are available and the scriptures that point to that subject. But when it comes to teaching, I have to select and pick out what will be appropriate to communicate the truth within the shortest possible time, but with the deepest meaning. Amen. 
Did you get what I just said? Okay. So that's why sometimes you have, we take a, a scripture text and then we focus on that. Because that scripture text perhaps um, portrays that truth more than any other scriptural text. Am I communicating? Okay. So, in the topic of New Testament consecration, New Testament consecration, why do we call it New Testament consecration? First of all, what is consecration? Amen. What is consecration? There are words that are cousins and brothers and in the family that mean the same thing as consecration, like sanctification. Everybody say sanctification. Say holiness. Okay? Devotion. Alright? Alright. All those are neighborhood words to consecration. But let's assume that consecration is the is their, is their family name. Amen. Did you get that? Okay. Let's assume that consecration is their family name. Okay. Now, I'll just give a few um, definitions of consecration. And then I will attempt to um, progress as time will permit us. Praise the Lord. Now, first of all, when we talk about consecration... Consecration is a separation of oneself from things that are unclean. Consecration also means to wholly, that's completely, Wholly dedicate yourself to something of greater or greatest importance. Dedicating yourself wholly to something of greatest importance. That's also consecration. Maybe I'll give another one. Consecration is setting yourself aside or dedicating yourself to God or in the case it's not God, you are worshipping another deity. Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. Alright? But in the context we are talking, is God. The act of setting yourself aside and dedicating yourself to God. That's consecration. I'm talking about consecration entirely, what it means. Now, so, did you get that consecration? Okay. In the Old Testament, for a priest to start functioning in his office as a priest, he has to be consecrated as a priest. Did you get that? That you were born as a Levite doesn't mean that you can just wake up and become a priest. Hello? You have to be set apart to function as a priest. So, maybe I should give you a scripture. Let's look at um, Deuteronomy chapter 10. Um, let's look at verse 8. Deuteronomy 10, verse 8. Thank you. It talks about something that happened. It says, at that time, the Lord separated the tribe of Levi 
to do what? To bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord. To stand before the Lord. To minister unto him. And to bless in his name unto this day. That means that the tribe that he consecrated for that work is the tribe of Levi. Are we together? So amongst all the tribes, just like consecration means that you, 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 you people here, you are separated for this. Glory to God. So that, this separation is a consecration, so to speak. Now, so, um, you have Levites. I hope you know what I'm talking about. Levites is a family. Alright, there are 12 tribes in Israel. So the Levites are just one out of the 12. Now, everybody that comes from the lineage of Levi are Levites. But not all of them are allowed to be priests. But everybody that will ever be a priest has to first be what? A Levite. Did you get that? Okay. Now, so amongst the fact that God separated the tribe of Levi, all of them are to serve in the house of God. Now, priest is different from just being a Levite. A Levite can be one. There are other small, small, let me call them support services that are required. Alright? But the priest is the one that is involved in the sacrificial side. Amen. Are we together? Okay? Okay? He handles holy things. Now, that priest, because you are a Levite, doesn't mean that you can just wake up and go and do the work of a priest. No. Again, even if you are the God has separated the Levite, among the Levites, he still consecrates the priest. Amen. Are you with me? So I'm talking about levels of consecration. He still consecrates, and there's a ceremony carried out. Time will fail me to show you that. To separate the priest, to be able to do the job of priesthood, to carry out the responsibility of priesthood, even if they were originally Levites. Now, God decided that he was going to choose kings from the tribe of Judah. For someone to be a king, he has to be consecrated into kingship. It's not just that he's chosen. He will be set apart. There is a ceremony carried out. He has to be anointed. That process is a consecration. It's a setting apart for kingship. Now in the New Testament, you and I are kings and priests unto God. Amen. We're kings and priests. If you don't know any other scriptures, at least you know 1 Peter 2 verse 9. Amen. So maybe we don't have to go to Revelation 5, but let's just look at maybe 1 Peter 2 9. It talks about our, the kind of priesthood we're called into. Amen. The kind of priesthood. It is different from the priesthood of the Old Testament. This priesthood, you know, King James sometimes doesn't um, give some of the expressions. He says, but ye are a chosen... The word there is not supposed to be generation. It's supposed to be race. Glory to God. That means in the eye of God, there are three races that he conducts his spiritual activities with. That means in God's communication with mankind, he sees the whole world. Of course, God knows you are, you are Nigerian. He knows you are a jaw. Are you understanding me? But what I'm saying is that in 
when it comes to covenant and spiritual things, he relates in three ways. Alright? The scripture told us that. He said, as Jews, Gentiles, or the church. Amen. Are we together? So, in the mind of God, the church is a race. That's why the word church, church, in Greek is ecclesia. Ecclesia is ecclesia. Klesis. Klesis and ek. Ek is out of. Klesis is called. You are the called out ones. Amen. Alright? We are called out of the world. Amen. Into Christ. And become a race called Zion. Hallelujah. We are called. And he sees us also as Christ. Amen. So, that scripture would have been, you are a chosen race. Hallelujah. You and I, in Christ Jesus, were a chosen race. This race had never been before now. Amen. Oh, there are Moabites, there are Assyrians, there are Egyptians, they have never been new creation. Amen. Then he now says, but this, 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 this chosen race is also a royal priesthood. Royal priesthood. What is royalty? Hello? Kingship. Is that not so? When you hear royal, that belongs to royalty. It means that say it belongs to the king. Is it like, oh, no, okay, maybe we don't use that language here. In the UK, somebody say, oh, that property belongs to the crown. What they mean is that it's the queen's. The crown is like the name that is given to the institution that the queen represents. Are you understanding me? So, you could say, it belongs to royalty. You're talking about kingship. There is no king without a kingdom. You have to have a kingdom to be a king. Amen. Are we together? You have to be, have a kingdom to be a king. Kingdom is simply the king's domain. Are we together? The king's domain. That's what kingdom is. The abbreviation of kingdom is the king's domain. So, here it says you are a royal priesthood. If we're speaking today's English, he's saying you are kingly priests. Amen. You are a chosen race. But the kind of priesthood you have, is not the type the Levites have. It's superior to the Levites' own. You are kingly priests. So, he said, that, hey, 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 this, 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 our priesthood is likened to the priesthood of the order of Melchizedek. We were told about a man called Melchizedek in the book of Genesis. A man that stood up and the Bible says he was the king of righteousness and the king of peace. Praise God. Then the Bible says he was a priest of the most high God. Uh-uh. Abraham never met somebody like that. Abraham was prophet. He now met a man that was a king. Amen. And met a man that was also a priest of God. And then the Bible tells us that our priesthood is after, the priesthood of Christ is after the order of Melchizedek. And we stay in that priesthood. Amen. So we are kingly priests. Now, if the kings of the Old Testament 
had to be consecrated to kingship. If the priest of the Old Testament had to be consecrated, there is to be a New Testament consecration. Amen. Are you understanding why we're talking about New Testament consecration? So, what is the consecration of the New Testament? Now, remember that the Old Testament is a shadow. What, what we mean by shadow is that it's a type. Okay? It's a type. For example, if someone is acting a play, they can pretend like they are drinking something. Then they fall down. But there is real poison. Are you understanding me? That one is the place, the shadow. Are you understanding me? There's, there's real poison and there's real death. Are we together? Okay. So, most of what was done in the Old Testament, the Bible says, is the shadow or a type of the real things. Let's give an example. This communion table, it looks like an ark, the ark of covenant. <laughs> so I say it looks like the ark of covenant. Amen. It looks like the Ark of Covenant. Alright? In the Old Testament, God told them to build a tabernacle. And He specified how the tabernacle should be built. The tabernacle had a premises. What you call a compound. It had a premises. Now, if you were not Jewish, or what they call a Jewish proselyte. Someone that is non-Jewish, but decided to convert to Jew. So you're worshipping like them. You cannot come into the precinct or the premises of the uh, tabernacle. Are we together? You know that in the New Testament, when Paul came into Jerusalem, if you read one of the portions of Acts, when Paul came to Jerusalem, one of the reasons they attacked him, they thought he came with some Gentiles to enter the place. He said, no, he came alone. He had the right as a Jew to come out, even if he's, he's now um, 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 believed in the justification by faith. To prove to them he was not against the law. He, when he goes to Jerusalem, he goes to do all the things that they do. Watch, are you understanding me? Just to do what they are doing. Thinking that they will accept him, but they are infuriated that he speaks against this thing. Why is he not pretending to, to believe in it? Are you understanding me? So one of the times why they attacked him was that they said, they thought he came with Gentiles. Because he has been preaching to Gentiles into the, the premises. Glory to God. That means that they are not supposed to come there. So you have, an, it's called the outer court. If you, just like here now, where the children uh, playpen is now, is within the premises. All of that area from the gate in is the outer court. Then, after that, there's a little partition. You come into the hall now. This hall is the holy place. In the holy place, only priests, Levites and Jews, can come into the outer court. Amen. Levites and Jews. They can even send you go and bring water because they are Levites. Uh, sweep the compound. If you are not a Levite, you can't even sweep the compound. Are you understanding me? But now, inside the holy place, holy place, is only the priest that is on duty. Amen. That can enter. Praise God. Now, this stage, the altar, Let's call it the Holy of Holies. Amen. Amen. 
That Holy of Holies has a veil that separates the holy place from the Holy of Holies. That Holy of Holies is now also called the Inner Sanctuary. Amen. All the things they are doing outside and inside the holy place is in this Holy of Holies that the verdict is decided. Amen. Whether it's accepted or not, am I communicating? Okay. Now, in the New Testament, the Bible says that this veil that separated the Holy of Holies from the Holy Place has been removed. Glory to God. Because of what Jesus did, we don't need to go through all the ceremonies that they went through one after the other just to get to that Holy of Holies. Sorry, I made a mistake. The Holy of Holies, only the high priest can enter. So, there are low priests and high priests. <laughs> Amen. Amen. That's where they got the idea of chief priest in your village. Amen. Amen. Uh-huh. You know now. Uh-huh. Chief priest. Satan always duplicates what God does. Amen. Yes. So that's where he got chief priest. The chief priest is that high priest. The high priest can enter the Holy of Holies only once. Amen. So all the other priests can enter the holy place that are on duty. But he cannot enter. You remember Zacharias? The father of John the Baptist? How many of you know Zacharias? The father of John the Baptist. Praise God. Alright, this is not Telemundo. It's Bible. <laughs> Zacharias, the son of the father of John the Baptist. He was serving his time in the Holy of Holies. Amen. Are we together? It was in that place that the angel met him. Glory to God. And say, You have a son. <laughs> and he was asking the angel a question. Amen. <laughs> Dangerous things happen in that place. Glory to God. So. We are kingly priests. Say I'm a kingly priest. Say again, I'm a kingly priest. Alright. So, I came here to show you something. So, we are royal priesthood. So, there is a consecration expected of us. A consecration both in our priesthood and in our kingship. Amen. Our priesthood and our kingship. There is a consecration. You know, I'm, I'm just pausing. I'm thinking you will enter. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. Because <laughs> I was about to take you to show you the consecration of the priest and how it applies to us. But I will follow another path. Amen. Amen. I'll follow another path. Alright. Now, so, in the New Testament, there's a consecration. And so Paul used the language in Romans 12 verse 1, Amplified Version, Amen, to explain or suggest that there is a consecration of the New Testament, even if it's not the same exactly as the consecration of the Old Testament. 
Praise God. Most of the time when we start a chapter, and um, we are so used to starting from verse 1, but we forget that it was not, it was a letter. So, if you really want to understand the thought, it will be good to maybe go to previous verses so you can really understand what he was saying before um, before we got there. Praise God. So, I'll just pick one verse of scripture. Um, Let's look at verse 36 of Romans 11. Then I'll enter chapter 12 verse 1. So I want you to see something. Our major text is Romans 12 1 for New Testament consecration for this month. Right? So follow me. For of him, put it in amplified so that um, it, the language will be consistent. Thank you. For from him, I'm reading Romans eleven thirty-six. And I'm also reading Romans 12 verse 1. I'm going to read two of them together. For from him and through him and to him are all things. Did you see that? For all things originate with him and come from him. All things live through him. And all things center in and tend to consummate and to end in him. To him be glory forever. Amen. So be it. Did you get that? Now, based on this, he now says in verse 1. I appeal to you. Amen. Are you getting that? Alright. I appeal to you therefore, brethren. Why is he appealing? I beg of you in view of all the mercies of God. To make a decisive dedication of your bodies. Presenting all your members and faculties as what? As a living sacrifice. Holy. What? Devoted. What's the next word there? Consecrated. Amen. And well pleasing to God. Which is your reasonable, rational, intelligent service and spiritual worship. Amen. So, there's such a thing as New Testament Consecration. Amen. So, let's be able to take it in bits. Firstly, there's a difference we're seeing between the Old Testament consecration and New Testament. Now, in the Old Testament, every sacrifice that was presented to God had to be dead. Amen. Are we together? So, you bring an animal. Sometimes they brought from the head. That's what we mean. Like cows and above. Then sometimes they brought from... Um, um, a ram and sheep and goat Alright And then the third level is for the poor If you are so poor you, you bring your sacrifice from the bed Amen Some of you didn't know that Amen So God considers people Amen In the sacrifice Hallelujah Alright One of the reasons why people believe that Jesus was poor when he was born Or the family of Jesus Joseph the carpenter And um, What's the name now And Mary Was poor Why they believe they were poor was because what they offered when they went to dedicate him seven days, eight days, circumcision, day of circumcision, when they, what they offered to God as sacrifice was turtle doves. Amen. Now, a, a wealthy person will not offer a turtle dove because the law says that 
it, it gives room for where you are to give. Are you understanding me? Okay, alright, alright. That's another talk for another day. So, but whatever the sacrifice, whether it was a bird, whether it was a goat or an ox, that's a cow, oxen, cow, you killed it, cut it in two, and drop it on the altar. There are different kinds of offerings. Alright? There is the thin offering. There is the burnt offering. There is the peace offering. They are not the same. The sin offering is offered in replacing your sin. Life, death for death. It has died for you. Amen. Because every sin is punishable by death. So an animal has to die. So when that sin offering is offered, the blood is sprinkled on the altar. That's the sin offering. That's the first one that has to be offered. Then after that, you now offer the burnt offering. Amen. The burnt offering means that now that God is not angry with you, you can give him something. Amen. 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 That thing you do in church when you drop your money is a burnt offering. Amen. Okay? So, is that God is not angry with you. So, you know, the burnt offering, they will burn the, the animal they sacrifice, burn everything. Are you understanding me? They don't sprinkle any blood on the altar. They just slay it and then they burn everything. Then after that, there is the peace offering. The peace offering means that since you have, your sins are forgiven and God has accepted the burnt offering, the peace offering, the priest will eat some. Amen. And burn some. Amen. That means God and him now are at peace. They can eat together. Amen. Are you understanding the symbolisms of it? It's so amazing. Glory to God. Alright, that's just by the way. Where I'm going to with this is that the offering, the sacrifice is offered dead. Amen. But in the New Testament, we are told that we should present ourselves not as a dead offering. Amen. As a what? As a living sacrifice. The difference between the Dead sacrifice and the living sacrifice. The dead sacrifice does not have a choice. If you kill a chicken and drop it on the altar, can he walk away? After I say, say, can he change his mind? He cannot change his mind. It is dead and dead forever. It can never change his mind. But a living sacrifice is the one you told, go and stay there. Until the high priest has used you to do what he wants to do. So he says, the high priest is not coming, no. I'm tired, I want to go. He says, no, 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 no. Present yourself as a living sacrifice. That is why the consecration of the New Testament is both instantaneous and progressive. Amen. Amen. It is instantaneous and progressive. What it means is that there is... A consecration that God has wrought through the Spirit of God, or through Jesus Christ and His Spirit in your life, but there's a consecration that is still working out in you all through as long as you live on this earth. Amen. Are we together? Because your choice, your will, has a role to play in consecration. Hallelujah. Okay, so Paul, why is Paul appealing? If consecration was automatic, if someone is born again, he's already consecrated. Why would Paul be saying, I appeal to you, therefore, I beg of you, if you? Are you understanding me? Why is he pleading? 
Why is he pleading? Because it is possible for someone to be born again and not be consecrated. Amen. Did you get that? So I gave some definitions in the Bible study we had on Tuesday on consecration. I would just like to mention a few of them and because I want you to sit. I said first of all that consecration is presenting yourself to the Lord as a living sacrifice. Amen. Okay? That's what consecration is. presenting yourself to the Lord as a living sacrifice. Consecration is presenting yourself to the Lord as a living sacrifice. The second one I gave, I said, Consecration is our reasonable response to Christ's redemption. Amen. That means that your consecration is because of what Jesus has done for you. Because he has given himself for you, you now also give yourself to him. Amen. So it's the reasonable response. To Christ's redemption. Hallelujah. Okay? Your consecration means something because of what Jesus has done. If you give yourself to him and he didn't first die and give himself to you, your consecration doesn't mean anything to God. Your sacrifice to him will be counted as rubbish. Amen. The reason why it means anything to him is because of what Christ had already done. Amen. So, consecration is our our is my reasonable response to Christ's redemption. Are we together? The first one is consecration is presenting myself to the Lord as a living sacrifice. That's what makes you say, Lord, whatever you want me to do, I will do. Wherever you want me to go, I will go. Amen. The life you want me to live is what I will live. That's consecration. Hallelujah. And you know, the, the believers today need to be taught that. Listen, one of the things sin did in your life is not just that sin puts you in a position that you had a ticket to hell. No. Sin also created a lifestyle for you. Amen. Alright? Before you got born again. Sin brought you into a culture. A lifestyle. But now that you are born again. Okay? Consecration is deciding to align with the culture of Christ contrary to the culture that sin already part, cut out for you. Amen. Am I communicating? That's consecration. So the second, I've given second, the third definition of consecration based on some of the things I mentioned in Bible study is that consecration is our loving response to Christ's constraining love. It's our loving response the difference between consecration in the Old Testament and in the Old Testament, it was not a loving response. It was a fearful response. Amen. You do it or you die. Are you understanding me? But in the New Testament, our consecration is a loving response to Christ's constraining love. Amen. Number four. Consecration is prioritizing God's priorities. Consecration is prioritizing God's priorities. That means that consecration is what makes you decide that you will pray before you do anything that day. Why? That means that fellowship with God is your priority to you now. Hallelujah. Because first is a priority to God. Are we together? That you read your Bible before you go out. That means you will feed your spirit before you feed your body. Are we together? 
That means that you are saying that you understand that God prioritizes His word. You also, you have now come up with a lifestyle that prioritizes the word of God. So, I said consecration is prioritizing God's priorities. When I started, I explained to you other words that are in the family of consecration, like sanctification, holiness, devotion, purity, commitment. You see, there's a song we used to sing. I want more of you, Jesus. The more I know you, the more I want to know you, Jesus. More of you. He's also singing to you. I want more of you. Amen. Are we together? Jesus is also singing to you. I want more of you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Whatever your name is. That means that consecration is that demand God is making of you. Amen. Are we together? You see, uh-huh. First Thessalonians 5 verse 23. King James, please. First Thessalonians 5.23. You know, I know we don't always relate that scripture to consecration, but I want to show you something. This scripture is about consecration. In as much as we use it to teach spiritual and body. Most of you know the scripture as spiritual and body teaching. I've not even gone anywhere. I have like 30 more minutes. Amen. Praise God. But uh, is this helping anybody? Okay. Let's read together. I want to go. And the very God of peace sanctify you do you know what holy means completely the word is from the root word is whole whole all right so the that god of peace sanctify you that means he has not sanctified you holy to sanctify you holy i pray god your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our lord jesus christ amen so that's people talking about sanctification. That means it is a demand of God for your total devotion. Amen. For your total commitment. Hallelujah. Okay? Now, if somebody says, I am more consecrated to God, he's simply saying, I'm more deeply committed or deeply devoted to Him. In this month, my prayer is that everyone will be more deeply devoted to God. Now, from the moment you receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, there's something that starts happening in your life. There is a battle for your soul. Not for your soul in the sense of your, your eternal condemnation, no. A battle for the attention of what will be your priority of mind and emotion. The battle is between your flesh and your spirit. Amen. The battle is between the spirit that now walketh in the children of disobedience and the spirit of God. Amen. The battle is between error and truth. The battle is between, between carnality and spirituality. Are we together? Devotion is staying on the side where you keep winning the battle. Hallelujah. 
Am I communicating? Satan believes that because you receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, he has already lost you. That means, eternally speaking, you are heaven bound. But now, the next fight is that as long as you are on earth, you will not be as useful to God as you should be. Amen. Amen. Did you get what I just said? Let me show you a scripture. Ephesians 4 verse 1. In Ephesians 4 1, Paul was writing to them. And he said something very interesting that I, I, I want to show you. Put it up. I therefore, uh, I would like to read it also in NIV after here. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you what? That you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. Walking worthy means that the value of what you, he called you for, you live up to it. Amen. Live up to the expectation that God has for you. Put up NIV. Thank you. Um, there's a translation I will still read. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. That means the calling you received, first of all, is a high, everybody says a high calling. Say it again, it's a high calling. The call is a high calling means that it's a calling of dignity, of great value. So, walking worthy of the calling means it, it takes consecration to walk worthy of the calling. Let me give an example of what it means to walk worthy of the calling. We have a governor in our state. Because he is governor, he represents the state. Are we together? So, let's assume they have something in the city of Abuja, which is the federal capital territory or the capital city of Nigeria. And all the governors were represented. What you'll be looking out for is your governor, right? Your governor. Now, let's assume that your governor comes out. And then, he's wearing swimming trunks. Are we together? For a cabinet meeting where all the other governors were dressed formally. And he came out with swimming trunks because he's from River State. Are you understanding me? If you saw that, you know what you would do? You would close your face. You, you use your hand to cover your face. Meaning that you were ashamed of what your governor did. What do you mean? He's not representing. Amen. Am I communicating? He's not representing. That's not what he's supposed to wear to that place. That's not how he's supposed to... If he, okay, then let's assume that he even dressed properly. Then he came to speak. And he's making grammatical errors in his speech. You say, oh my governor. Are you understanding me? Why? He's not representing you properly. Now, the Bible says you and I are ambassadors for Christ in this world. Amen. Consecration is representing Christ well. Amen. The choices you make to represent Christ properly. That's consecration. Are we together? To represent him, to walk worthy of the calling where which he has called you. That's consecration. That means Christ. You know, if you see the scriptures, you see that God boasts about men. Man worships God. God, God praises man. Amen. That God boasts about men. We saw many that God boasted about. God boasted about Abraham. He said, ah, Abraham, I have seen that he will show his children after me. Will I hide this thing from Abraham? He called him his friend. Amen. The Bible said Enoch walked with God. He talked, he related with Enoch separately. 
We also saw God praise Job. Amen. Before Satan. That means that God is concerned about representation. Amen. Are we together? He's concerned about representation. So consecration is aligning with that thing, that representation that God expects from you. He said, have you seen my servant Job? That there is none as upright as he is. Satan did not argue. He said, eh, I know. But is there a reason? Is, not, is it just upright for nothing? It's because everything is fine. Are we together? Now, God is boasting through your life. Amen. To the rest of the world. Amen. He's boasting about his sacrifice. He's boasting about the work of his spirit. The effectiveness of his word. Amen. In you. So represent that. Walk worthy of the calling where he has called you. That's consecration. Alright. I still have some minutes. So let's, let's take it on this path. Now listen. When we talk about consecration. You see. Jesus Christ died for us so that we will live for him. Amen. Did you hear that? Jesus died for you so that you will live for him. Living for Christ is a life of worship. Amen. Are we together? Most of the time, when believers hear the word worship, the first thing they think about is close your eyes very tight and sing passionately. I worship you right now. Worship you right now. Worship you right now Just because you're God Just because you're God You sang a song of worship Worship is more than singing Amen Are we together? Worship is more than singing the singing is a very small aspect of worship. The greater aspect of worship is in your living. Amen. Did you get that? It's in your living. Let's help and define the word worship. Worship. Worship is from an old word. The etymology of the word. Etymology is simply the study of the formation of words. How words originated. It comes from two words put together. Worship. Amen. It's just that the TH was removed. Worship. But you know, we don't speak English like that today. Amen. Worship simply means that the value. Amen. That a person or a thing deserves giving it the value that it deserves hallelujah 
the regard that he deserves. Another way to put it is the worthiness. Worship is ascribing the worthiness that that person has to him. Amen. Did you get what I just said? Ascribing the worthiness. Now, worship is first a lifestyle. Are we together? It's a lifestyle. Worship is simply living for God. That you set your clock to wake up 5 o'clock every day because you want to wake up 5 o'clock every day because you want to pray before you go out. That is worship. Amen. Are you with me? That you are in your office and they are taking bribe and you refuse to take. That is, a, is worship to God. It is because of your regard for Him as the all-seeing one and the all-knowing one. That act that day was an act of worship. Any act or decision you make to honor God is an act of worship. Hallelujah. Why are you honoring him? Because you actually believe he is here. Amen. That means that you are saying that God is here. Because he's here, that's why I'm, I'm, I'm doing this. I recognize his presence. That's worship. Anytime you recognize the presence of God, you are worshiping him. Remember that in the New Testament, God was yearning for a people. That will worship him. Not sing to him. No, no, no. Don't mistake in it. A people that their life. Now, in the Old Testament. They were not. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. John chapter 4. John chapter 4. Let's start from verse 20. Amen. Let's start from verse 20. John chapter 4. I'll read from 20 to 25. Now. This was a story between the woman at the well of Samaria. And Jesus Christ. Amen. The woman said, our fathers worshipped in this mountain. Remember, she was a Samarian. And ye, you Jews, say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. That means, where is the right place of worship? Is it here or is Jerusalem? Verse 21. Jesus said unto her, woman, believe me, the hour cometh when you shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Did you get that? That means that a time is coming where the real kind of worship that God is talking about will happen. Thank God we are in that time. Amen. It's no more about where you are standing. It's no more going to be about that. It's a new kind of worship. What you call the New Testament worship. Then he said in verse 22, Ye worship you know not what. We know what we worship for salvation of the Jews. What was established in verse 22 is that worship cannot even begin when there is no relationship. Amen. 
Are we together? When there is no relationship. So, in the New Testament, we've been brought into a relationship that does not require you to do any other thing to worship. Amen. You don't have to offer a sacrifice to, before you can worship. Am I communicating? No. Verse 23. He said, but the hour comment and now is, when the true worshippers, that's why I came to this scripture, true worshippers, is he trying to say that the other people are fake worshippers? Amen. Now, now, when you see true worshippers, you think of false worshippers. No, no, don't think of it that way. What he meant by true is that this now is not drama. Amen. They are one they were doing, they were dramatizing. A shadow. All the things the, the law, they did in law, was a type of the real thing. Now, the real worshippers, you and I are the real worshippers. Amen. In the Old Testament, they will come and put um, um, frankincense. Alright? It's like a powdery substance. And then they light it. And then it burns and the smoke goes up. If that is a type of worship. Are we together? And it keeps burning and burning and burning and burning. Then, because it's burning, they cannot enter into the... You cannot enter into the Holy of Holies without that golden censer. There's a golden sensor. The sensor is like a vase, okay? That smoke is coming out. And then it has to go in before you enter into the Holy of Holies. Amen? Now, that, that thing they were doing, burning smoke, God does not smoke. He doesn't do shisha. Are you understanding me? <laughs> Amen. Amen. That thing they were doing was symbolic to God. Are we together? So, he's saying that a time will come, they don't have to... Send God smoke. Amen. Your life is now the smoke that is constantly burning to God. Amen. Am I communicating? Okay. Now let me explain something to you. That smoke from your life is not burning when you close your eye. And start thinking. It's burning every day you are living for God. When you are not living for God, you are not worshipping Him. Amen. Amen. No smoke. Hallelujah. Am I communicating? In the presence of God, the smoke is supposed to burn constantly. Amen. Continuously. Continuously. So, that consecration is that smoke from your life is burning for Jesus consistently. Amen. So, the Bible says, when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth... Then the last part says, for the Father seeketh such. That means that's the real thing he's looking forward to. True worship. True worship. A life that is constantly burning for Jesus. Hallelujah. Living for him. Now, I just stayed around worship to explain something to you. Because when we talk about worship, sometimes we think about singing. Verse 24 and 25. Let me just read. Uh, maybe I should talk about 24. Let's read together. I want to go. God is the spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. It means that in the New Testament there is a, a new pattern of worship. That doesn't require you to slay an animal. That doesn't require you to burn a burnt offering. That doesn't require you to light an incense. Amen. Your life is that incense. Glory to God. Amen. Are we together? Your life is that instance. 
What is coming out of your life? What is coming out of your life? The decisions you make. The places you go. Every action of yours that honors Jesus is worship. So, consecration is setting aside anything that hinders you from worshiping. Amen. Amen. Alright? That's what it is. Now, there's one more scripture I should show you about worship. You see, one of the, what, what does the Bible mean when, we say, when the Bible says that we are ministers of the New Testament? We are able ministers of the New Testament. We are ministers. The priests in the Old Testament, they were ministers. Hallelujah. So, ministers, it means that our lives continually are, the language I used the earlier time was that we are living for Him. Amen. Service is not what we do once in a while. Serving is how we live. Amen. In Acts chapter 13, verse 2 actually, but let's read verse 1 and 2. Amen. In Acts 13, verse 1 and 2, it was talking about a group of people. My, verse 2 is my focus, but I have to just read from verse 1. Now they were in the church that was at Antioch, setting prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon, that, were called, that was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, just telling us the roll call of the people that were there, and Manian, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. Verse 2, what were they doing? Let's read together. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. Let's read the first uh, sentence, first line again, without, where the comma stops. As they ministered to the Lord. Worship is ministering to the Lord. Amen. Are we together? Ministering to the Lord. In the body of Christ, there are three directions that we minister. We minister to the Lord, we minister to one another, and then we minister to the world. Amen. Are you with me? Did you get that? We minister to the Lord. Someone called it upreach. Amen. We minister to one another. Someone called it enrich. And then we minister to the world. Outreach. Amen. Now, our ministry... To the world and our ministry to one another is sustained by our ministry to the Lord. So they were ministering to the Lord, ministering to the Lord, ministering to the Lord that you are giving him what he wants. Are we together? So, oh, oh, oh. Okay, that means God is seated and you are serving Him. Amen. Ministering to the Lord. So, a life of worship is a life that is constantly ministering to the Lord. The way you talk. Amen. Your speech is seasoned. Glory to God. You are considerate of what you are saying. That your words minister to the Lord. Hallelujah. Your thoughts. Amen. Your thoughts. Huh. Okay. Permit me to say this. 
When we talk about consecration, it is separating something. The separation is in two ways. It's a separation to something and a separation from something. Amen. The challenge that the early believers or some holiness groups had about consecration that made some people think that consecration is not even necessary is because the focus on consecration was the part that they were focused on is what you separated from. What you are separated from, which means separation from sin, separation from the world, separation from, are you understanding me? From sin and the world. But that's not where consecration starts. Consecration starts with a separation to God. Amen. Did you hear what I said? I need some people to use for an example. Um, let me use someone for an example. I, I need a... I need a brother that is single. Amen. Amen. Okay, come. I don't know if... Okay, Ebis, come. Ebis, come. Ebis, come. Ebis, come. Uh, you, you may be prophetic. Come. Now, some of you are listening in, so you cannot see, but I want to explain separation from... A separation to and separation from. Now, he's standing here. He's single. Alright? And then I have Ella come. You come. You're her friend. You're going to act like you're her mother. Hold her hand. She's joined to you. She's with you. Now, Instead of me fighting every day to separate her from you, and she hold the hand back, I'll separate her. This is the consecration that some people know. They are separating you. Hold again. Separate you from fornication. Hold it again. Separate you from lying. You don't want to lie. <laughs> okay. Hold again. Separate you from uh, movies. You stay small. You hold again. Because when I'm separating you, there's nothing... You are separated too. Are you understanding me? But now, the practice and the work of the Spirit is this. Is that in your consecration, the separation the Holy Ghost is working on is to separate you unto the Lord. Amen. And when you understand the separation, go closer. He doesn't bite. Now, <laughs> I've separated Ella unto Abysmo. Now, because she's separated unto him, she is separated from blessing. Amen. Am I communicating? Now, the consecration of the New Testament is to focus on what you are separated to. And you have to fight with what you are separated from. Amen. I don't forget what I'm saying. So, what you are separated to, you've been separated unto him. Through the sanctification of the Spirit, unto Christ, you've been separated to him. 
So you focus on this separation. And as long as you are focused on what you are separated to, you not have the struggles of what you are separated from. But most of the time, the fight we have is that we are so conscious of what we are separated from. Hey, I know, we you know, if I used to smoke, but you know, I know this guy, eh? <laughs> oh, oh, let me just test it a little. Are you understanding me? And then you go back to it again. Amen. So the consecration is not working. But when the consecration is now focused on who you are separated onto, the empowerment to stay separated keeps working. Amen. Amen. Because for you to stay here, you need Him to hold you. Amen. You need Him to keep holding you. And you holding Him. For you to stay here, I'm just permit the limitations of human explanations. Amen. Are we together? They are looking like a, a bride that they have offered. <laughs> Alright, thank you very much. Amen. Did you get that? Did you get that? So, in the New Testament, the focus is, and should always be, what you've been separated to. Then, you receive the, that's what grace is. Grace is the empowerment. Amen. To live above the dictates and the demands of the world. Am I communicating? That's what it is. So, in our consecration as believers, Jesus made a statement once. And in his statement, he, he taught us something. Okay, let, let, me take, let me take it from this other angle. Um, many scriptures are coming to my heart. Um, let, let's use the, 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 the outer court of the tabernacle. In the outer court of the tabernacle, they have a particular vessel, a basin. Alright? And there's water in it. It's called the laver. L-A-V-E-R. It's a basin. In our day, it's a basin. That's kept outside the outer court. When you come into the tabernacle, you are supposed to use it to wash your hand and your leg. So that now you can starve in the temple. Amen. Are we together? You took your bath at home. But when you enter there, you have to wash. That washing is a kind of cleansing. Amen. But you are Jewish though. You are in the covenant. Are we together? But you still need to wash your hand. Jesus used the same statement in John chapter 13. When he was teaching them about feet washing. And he came and gathered the disciples and started washing their feet. And then they said, why, um, so why are you washing my, uh, uh, my feet? Peter said, no, 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 no. You will never wash my feet. Ah, how will I allow you to wash my feet? <laughs> Jesus said, if I don't wash my, your feet, you are not part of me. Amen. Ah, ah. Say, is it that serious? Say yes. It's, so he said, eh. You know what he now said? Peter was troublesome. He said, okay, bait me at once. In short, bait me. Let me have a bath. So Jesus said, no. The one that has had the bath does not need to take a bath. Amen. What it means is that you are saved. You don't need another salvation. Amen. Amen. He now said, thank you for putting up John 13. He now said, I, 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 let me just rush because of time. He now said, but he needs only to wash his feet. Now, in the world that we live in, why is consecration continuous? 
Because every day our feet makes contact with the world. Amen. If you take your bath, by the time you leave your house and come, dust will settle again. Is that not so? You are not dirty, but there is dust. So you wash your hands. Is that not so? You wash your feet. Am I communicating? Now, the hearing of the word of God, amen, is how our feet is washed in the spirit. Amen. Amen. So my scripture is John 17, 17. Amen. John 17, 17. I'm almost out of time. John 17, 17, quickly. In John 17, 17, Jesus was speaking. He said, sanctify them. Sanctify them. Through, through thy truth. Then he says, thy word is truth. That means the, sanctif- the ongoing sanctification in the life of the believer is through the hearing of the word. Are we together? John 15, verse 3. Amen. In John 15, 3, I'm just throwing the scriptures at you now. In John 15, 3, it says something very important. It says, now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. This word is a Rema word. That means as you sit and you are hearing God's word, it is cleaning you, it is cleansing you. Amen. Am I communicating? That's why coming to church is important. Now, in the, what the Bible is meant to ask your feet, physically, is actually your mind. Amen. Your feet is what makes contact with the earth. It's your mind that you make contact with the world. Amen. Through the things you see and hear. That mind needs to be constantly cleansed by the word of God. Amen. Some of you now, you are coming, you are coming, you are coming. You don't even know why you are shaking your head like this. Is that the band song that you heard? You know, that you actually, you know, you know, you know, you are shaking your head, shaking your head. Then you just jump. <laughs> you don't even know. It's not praise the Lord, though. That's not praise the Lord. You just jump. It's, it's, it's the dust that has gathered from radio. Amen. Upon your mind and your thoughts. So, when you come and sit on that word of God and hear the message of God's word, it cleanses you. That cleansing that is happening is a sanctification. It's a consecration. Amen. Am I communicating? That means that every day you sit in the presence of God, under the word of God, you are consecrating yourself again. Amen. Am I communicating? It's a consecration. You are consecrating yourself again. And that's why anybody that is not hearing God's word, that is far from God's word, cannot be experiencing that. That means at that point, you are not... You are not consecrating yourself because as long as you are in the world, the Bible says the whole world lies in wickedness. That the air you are breathing, there is wickedness inside. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Breathing? Out. Wickedness. Amen. The whole world lies in wickedness. So the cleansing is consistent and it has to be continuous. Praise the Lord. Lift your hands and begin to talk to God everywhere. Pray in tongues for a moment. Just pray in tongues. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for listening to this message. If you have been blessed, you can reach us by email on info at faithtofaithonline.org or call us on 234-806-361-3560. You are big, blessed, and loaded. Thank you,